millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Brought in to shore up Sunderland and make them difficult to beat. And that is exactly what they've been. But Sunderland again going for it here. And how about that for a strike at Wembley Stadium from Elliot Hamilton? to another episode of the Rotor Report podcast. I'm not even going to do my full intro. I'm knackered. I can barely talk. <laughs> I've just got me. I've just got my voice back this morning. It's uh it's very early Monday morning as we record this and I sound like I watched Sunderland get beat at the weekend but I didn't. Um I've just got no voice. I'm singing far too much and drinking too much and just being a general clip around London. And we thought, well, we'll save the footy chat for another day because the two men joining us are both as pagged as I am. And we thought, why not talk about our experience of the weekend rather than the football and maybe just talk about how hungover we all are. Uh, so joining me today is Craig Chapman, sat in his dressing gown there, looking absolutely done in. Hiya, Craig. I am so, so, so hungover. I am absolutely hanging out of my arse here. And I think, I mean, that was like a League One playoff final, so imagine if we were any good at some point in the future, I, I'd literally be on death's door. And I'm not I'm not far from it now. I, I was, well, I, I said that to me, mate. I was like, imagine if we got to Europe and we were like playing away every other week around the globe. 
I'd be dead. Seriously, I wouldn't. I wouldn't survive it. I just wouldn't. Because one weekend in London's killed us off. Yeah, like I'm absolutely knackered. And also joining us today is Chris Wynn, who has his shades on, I think, um, which is telling. I'm uh, joining you in body, not your in mind. I think people listening to this are going to sympathise. I, I don't think there'll be many Sunderland fans who aren't starting this week as done in as, well, yeah, everyone's as done in as us, I think. Um, I, I, I can't even get my words out. I'm actually, that's how knackered I am, my voice and everything. I couldn't talk yesterday. Like, we run about doing a podcast yesterday and I said, I, I genuinely have no voice. Today I've woke up and I can just about manage some words. So yeah, if you're joining us and you're wondering why we're not jumping around and mental and stuff, we're on a massive come down from the weekend. Um, but the, the weekend itself, then I want to talk about it a little bit because it was, I, I've said it a few times, from from my mind, I don't think I've had a better experience as a Sunderland fan. Just the weekend as a whole. Even the game, I've seen us beat Newcastle numerous times and that's always been great. I saw us promoted under Peter Reid twice. I saw us promoted under Roy Keane. I saw us promoted under Mick McCarthy. And none of it was as good as that. None of it. That was a League One playoff final weekend. And we just made the most of every second as a fan base. From the night before, people piling in at Covent Garden, Trafalgar Square, all the pubs around London. And then the next day, we just... It was, it was the best day of my life as a fan. Would anyone disagree? Is there, I mean, that was crazy, wasn't it? Well, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't really remember. To be honest, Gav, I think it was. <laughs> but but, I, I, but it was funny because what you were saying there, you know, that the whole the whole experience was was such that I remember speaking to you, Gav. I mean, we only we only bumped into each other for five minutes, but we were saying everything else. It kind of got rid of the nerves for the match, didn't it? Because I remember, th- yeah. Because we were everything was so up. I mean, the whole thing was upbeat. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a nervous atmosphere, did it? I, I don't know what you think. It didn't feel like a nervous atmosphere. I thought everything was just kind of, we almost turned up just to win. It had that feeling about it, didn't it? And when, when mm. in the morning when you're meeting up with people, it was like, we're just going to go there and smash it and get it done. And, and it, everything around it just made everything feel so kind of up and positive. That you kind of well at times you were like oh yeah we've got to go for kickoff at three o'clock because <laughs> <laughs> well, I was talking more before the game Craig about Trafalgar Square and I just couldn't wait to get there like the the we we put like a, a couple of bits out on the site during the week talking about how people needed to maybe just consider think think about like the Charlton <laughs> game and how hungover everybody was and the atmosphere was rubbish and you know should we maybe think a little bit more about that so that on match day we're all up for it that went up eight o'clock in the morning i was on the train with with a can and gin and tonic and i was yeah that, that totally went out the window i'm a massive hypocrite um but i just enjoyed myself so much it was from the from the minute we set off it just felt to me like it was always going to be our weekend. I never felt like we were ever going to lose that game. I know we're not going to really talk about the football that much, but I th- there was definitely a feeling in the air, wasn't there, of just like everybody was really confident about our chances for once. Uh, it's, it's so weird because like we never, ever go down to London with that sort of sense of calmness, do we? But I think maybe that's been mirrored a little bit from like Alex Neil throughout the course of the last week when journalists are sat there pressing him, saying, you know, like, you look really, really calm and he's replying with, well, how else do you want me to be? And I think... I think as a fan base, we've we've ultimately just sort of took that. I mean, and granted, we've took that with about 
you know, three slabs of cans and bottles of gin and whiskey and stuff like that to ease <laughs> the nerves as well. But um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I think I, I can't, I can't even put into words how many people I just sort of seen just, you know, kind of standing in awe and they just could not understand what they were looking at. And the amount of people, <laughs> like, you know, who you maybe haven't seen in years and you're bumping into and you just kind of pick up from where you've last left off. And, like, there's, look, there's, there's not a football club in the world who could have experienced what we've gone through over the past years and do what we do and I know people going it's the last four years and it's it's not just the last four years it's like it's it's the last six I mean Christ we fell out the Premier League we fell out the Championship in disgusting fashion we've had four awful years and then you've got what maybe 20 30,000 people in Trafalgar Square even though we're told not to go and it was just honestly it was just it was just such an amazing night everybody was in such good spirits nobody misbehaved there were smoke bombs and flares and fireworks going off as far as the eye could see. There was ex-players, Robin Wright was in there, Grant Ledbetter was in there, Simon Ramsden, Chris Brown. I mean, the, the list's endless and everybody just just went down. And, and yeah, I mean, I said to you on Saturday morning when I seen you, I said, oh, I'm a bit nervous, but the more the day went on, yeah, you just knew, you just knew everybody was so fired up for it. There was no way we were leaving there without winning that game. I don't know whether it was you or um, which one of you used the word calm. But if you asked anybody who who saw Sunderland fans over the weekend, whether it was on the trains, whether it was in the capital, I doubt I doubt the word that they would use was calm, because because <laughs> I mean I I had uh, there was a there was a last minute dropout, so I invited just because you know it was kind of late in the day and all this sort of stuff. It was the day before I invited a, a lad who lives for, in Essex, um, who who kind of I've known for for quite a few years. So he kind of came as not a, you know, he, he he never experienced anything like this before, and he came out with us the night before, and he joined in on on the day and all this sort of stuff, and he just couldn't believe that around one ninety minute game, we made such a kind of long weekend of it, and he couldn't couldn't believe Friday. He says, he said on the Friday because wherever because we didn't actually make it at Trafalgar, we thought oh we'll make we'll go at the pubs on the way to Trafalgar. And we end, and you know, the shots started and all that sort of stuff, and we ended up just, just I don't know, going in the wrong direction or whatever. But he came out and he said, wherever you went in London, the tubes, it doesn't matter whether you're in the centre, Trafalgar Square, pubs, restaurants, just there was such Sunland strips all over. All all you could hear, you turned a corner and all you could hear was chanting from every direction. Doesn't matter where you were in central London, it was just <laughs> Sunland. It was funny. It was funny looking at all the. Ordinary Londoners trying to go about their daily business. Not most of them didn't have a clue what was going on. They didn't know why all these people were here. Just totally appalled. <laughs> Just <laughs> didn't have a clue what was going on. We were in a lift at um, at Russell Square Tube Station because I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's horrendous. I think there's two hundred steps and it's vertical. It's horrendous, and <laughs> we got it's got this giant lift. And we got in this lift and me mate's messing around and he's and this bloke, I'm he just this bloke <laughs> he should have seen his face. He had, he didn't have a clue what was going on. He uh, he just I don't think that we we shouldn't be allowed out the northeast. <laughs> us us lost. Like we're a bunch of idiots really. But uh, to be fair in the main, I think people I think people were um I think people were respectful and we we generally behaved ourselves. I know you said, Craig, that we were told not to go, but we all knew we could see through that a mile oh, away. Oh yeah, it yeah, was bullshit. Yeah. 
the Met put that tweet out, which set away a chain of sort of events on as it does. It went. It was out spread like wildfire, and people were like, "Oh, should we go? Shouldn't we go? We're not going to be allowed to do it this year. What are people doing instead?" And I was quick to just say, "Just ignore it. The, the, all the want is the want less people there. Aye. They know people are going to turn up. It's worth noting, they just by the didn't way." Want Wanted to be too mental. Yeah, it's worth noting. I mean, from my experience, at least, the the police were absolutely spot on in Trafalgar Square. They were they were yeah. absolutely super. Yeah. No, no, don't don't get us wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, last time um, we were there, they were tweeting about yeah. it and stuff, weren't they? And talking about how how good it was. I just think since the Euros, there's been a bit of an oh, attitude yeah. change, hasn't there? We'd just been to Sainsbury's up the road, and I mean, I'd literally spent about thirty or forty quid on drink. And we rocked down and um, the police officer just said to me, she was like, look, I know what you've got in your bag. I'm just going to pretend that I'm not seeing what I'm seeing. <laughs> just please go in and behave. And I was like, yeah, no bother. Absolutely fine. And then, yeah, like like I say, I mean, it was just, you just kind of put it into words. I mean, the videos and photos and all of that, there's, there's a thread on the Rogue Report Twitter account and you can just see so many happy faces. But it, it just, it kind of, kind of put into you know kind of words or justice or, or or really really fully explained what an amazing night it was what an, what an amazing weekend it was it was it was incredible i was going to say gav based on your uh youtube appearance oh yes if i was if i if i was a cop i wouldn't have known whether to put you in the police van or an ambulance to be honest <laughs> Uh, there's worse videos than that trust <laughs> us. I, I saw one yesterday i don't think i've been that pissed since well Probably since I went abroad, like Benidorm or something with me mate, I was horrendous. I'm 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 a bit ashamed. Actually, no, I'm not. I enjoyed myself. So, yeah, I I, I would point people in the direction of that particular video. Go on, ex- but, um, explain the listeners. Go on, no, go on. Well, I, I woke up on Saturday morning, checked my phone, and I had like a million messages from all over the place. DMs, private messages on ready to go, texts, Facebook messages. <laughs> Was that you on Fans React Live? And I was like, eh? And then, and then I, I, I scrolled back through our chat and there it was, the video of me just talking absolute shite to Sean Middleton. Um, and Spider-Man. I could have said worse things. Well, yeah, I did talk about his sexual exploits. I did, poor Spider-Man. Um, I might have done him a favour, you never know. Someone, there might have been someone watching that who thought they wanted a bit of him. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I, people are going to find that if they want to find it. But I was, that that I, do you know? What I didn't even feel hungover when I woke up Saturday morning either. So, God knows how I was in that state. I think we, me mate had a backpack full of shots, and well, we'd been on the drinks since eight o'clock in the morning. We just went ridiculous. I wasn't the only one. One of me mates pissed himself. <laughs> and I'd be taken home at eight o'clock. So I, uh, what, what what can I just ask you, because you obviously said you. You didn't um, head to Trafalgar, Chris. So, what did your sort of first day look like in terms of where did it start? I don't know. I don't know. Can't remember. <laughs> now, um, well, because obviously going from Sheffield, I, I went down from Sheffield uh, early afternoon and, uh, you know, got going on the train and all this sort of stuff, dumped the bags. And then, but we thought from, because we, we were near Euston Station, we thought, right, well, we'll just wind our way in and get to, get to Trafalgar Square. Just something went wrong on the way. I don't know what it was. But uh, by the time we rocked up to Trafalgar Square, because we were, I don't know where we ended up. I haven't got a clue where we ended up. But we accidentally walked back through Trafalgar Square when there was nobody there. So we, we kind of... I bet that was a sight. We, oh, well, it was because 
and I think we got shouted at by like uh, the policeman and, and all this sort of stuff, and there was a few other um, kind of obviously council workers or whatever shouting at us because we, we we came through, we just walked right through the middle of it, and I think they were starting to kind of clear it away because I, I don't know what time it was. It, there was literally nobody there by that point, um, so it must have been early hours or whatever. But uh, we, we got shouted at because we walked right through the middle, and actually because he was shouting at us because it, it was obviously dangerous because... There was that much glass on the floor. We were trying to tiptoe through to actually get to the other side. We were trying to cut through. But they were shouting at us to, to kind of go to the nearest point to get out of the glass because we were just walking through this sea of glass on the floor. And it was, mind, I mean, there was like three or four of us and we looked around and we were like, bloody hell. I mean, the mess was unbelievable by that point. Like I said, it was just a sea of glass all over Trafalgar Square, cans and boxes and you name it. Yeah. You that, name it. Was on the floor. That's that's not good. It's not good. But at the same time, I don't think there's any bit. They don't. They're not allowed to put bins out anywhere. Well, they said actually because uh, we we talked to people on Saturday who were there, and they actually said there was there was people going around with bags. Or actually, police were going around was, with bags yeah. to say you know stick your stuff in there. But I, I doubt yeah. I doubt there was enough of them. Like no. What was yours like then, Craig? Where did you start off? Well, I got the mega bus down. Which I do not recommend oh. to it. No, honestly. How long did that take? I left my house. I, I sneaked out the house to make sure I didn't wake the kids up. About quarter past six Friday morning. Got to Park Lane. And um, I didn't realise there'd be so many, uh, stupidly, didn't realise there'd be so many Salon fans there. And um, obviously, you're not allowed to drink on the mega bus, which, in fairness, everyone, you know, kind of obeyed that. It's not like going on ALS all those years gone by where you just like sneak stuff on in a spray bottle or whatever. Um, so I think when I first seen you actually at King's Cross, that's when I was I was making the journey over from from like Victoria, and it felt like ages. So I soon... don't remember seeing you, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I honestly got. I mean, we we literally had about three or four different meetings over the weekend. But um, by the time I got there, <laughs> got to the digs in King's Cross, like literally as soon as I got in, I was like, I'm gonna have a shower because obviously I've been travelling from like quarter seven or whatever from Park Lane all the way down till about two o'clock. And I literally just had a can in the shower whilst uh, whilst getting ready for it, <laughs> and um, I I think because I didn't have anything to eat for me for me dinner or anything like that, it like it literally just headed headed south pretty quickly for me. And I think by about eleven o'clock that night, I was absolutely arsehold. to the point where I was like, I think I need to go back to my bed here. But no, I was it was great. I mean, headed over from King's Cross to Covent Garden, it was absolutely packed there. Again, everybody in good spirits, everybody having a great time. The pub, the um, the Nags Head, I think it's called. I mean, the, the toilets in there, Christ almighty. I'm, I'm sure lots of people will understand, but it was swimming, absolutely swimming in piss. Ah. It was awful. But the staff in there were brilliant. Everybody was having a great time. Neutrals were walking through, taking photos and, and videos. And um, I, soon as soon as went round to Trafalgar, I think that's where it kicked in and it just went into overdrive and... It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I, I didn't get to experience it the last two times. My daughter, she was only young, so we didn't really have childcare. So I kind of made up for that. And I think what time did I wake up Saturday morning? It was before six o'clock again. It was just the excitement. It just sort of kicked in. And obviously my body clock's used to it with being up with kids. Um, but as soon as I woke up, I was like, right, I need to get me breakfast and I need to just get into uh, get into match day mode here. And I, yeah, as soon as I headed up Wembley Way into Box Park, which was mint, to be fair, by the way. I know a lot of people had reservations about going in there because it looked a bit, you know, sort of like manufactured atmosphere type, but it was, it was quality. It was absolutely class. All the old players in there, 
I was waffling on Ian Holloway for about 10, 15 minutes as well. I was, it, was just, it was just brilliant. Everything about the weekend was absolutely quality. Well, I was, I was going to say, just on that wander back, you know, I was saying we're wandering back. Well, we ended up, well, I ended up walking around London for about an hour and a half because I didn't know what direction I was going in. Couldn't work my phone, nothing like that. And then didn't <laughs> realise that a mate of mine was doing exactly the same thing and we'd been wandering around for about two hours on our own and suddenly we just... We kind of came to this road and we were both at the end of the road and saw each other and it ended up like one of those things of Baywatch in slow motion. And, I, and then I, re- I realised we were running together and he had this uh, he had this big pile of food in his hand and I gave him a big sloppy kiss and we, we managed to actually get, get home together. But we, uh, we, we tried to get one of those rickshaws when there was like three of us and he, he must have took one look at us and like, you know, combined weight of about 60 stone or something. And he was... He, 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 you should have seen the panic on his face when he was just shaking his head, saying, "No chance, lads. No, no chance." <laughs> we were like, "Well, well, well just well, all, all we wanted was a German doner kebab, and he wouldn't do it." Like I say, I started um, eight o'clock Friday morning on the train. Actually, I suppose I could say a little bit. Of, probably seven o'clock, getting on the metro through to Central Station in Newcastle. Got on the train at eight. We had a full carriage to ourselves, which was great. So we had all the tables, we had the music on and stuff. Um, and then it was just mental from there, really. But the, uh, you were just talking about when at Covent Garden, Craig, that was great and all. I don't know how much that's really been talked about, but just sort of outside the nag's head, I think in 2014 when Trafalgar Square was shut. Yeah, we all went there, didn't we? Uh, that's, yeah. That was the main congregation point. And sort of since then, like every time we've been, it started there. And I was, I was with like, I mean, there was about 20 of us down there this weekend. I mean, mate Ross, a lot of people will know him, like, off Twitter. Ross is a photographer, pretty popular on Twitter and stuff because of his um, his photos on match days and stuff. Anyways, he uh, he took his camera out with him and he was getting photos of people at Covent Garden and stuff. And um, unbelievable, like, some of the pictures he's got of, of people. And we were just getting people to turn around, sort of smile, you know, kids on people's shoulders, people with flags, people with flares. And like you say, the, the coppers, to be fair, were pretty good. But every time someone uh, lit a flare or a smoke bomb, they were straight over, yeah. trying to put it out. But it didn't. It didn't deter people. To be fair, I mean, <laughs> pyros went a bit mental in it. And yeah, we headed up to Trafalgar from there. And to be honest, it, it was a blur for me after that. Um, don't really remember much about the night at all. Next thing I remember being in a Vietnamese restaurant on my own <laughs> at about one or two in the morning. So. I can remember I can remember eating spring rolls and I remember eating a, a egg fried rice <laughs> on my own, just sat there. And then it took us nearly an hour just to get a taxi and I got ripped off big style. Like he wanted 30 quid up front to take us about a mile, but I paid it just because by that point I was sick. I just wanted to get back home. Um, woke up really early. Like I said, I'd been bombarded with texts and videos of me. <laughs> Absolutely horrendous at Trafalgar, and yes, I'm not proud, but it is what it is. Well, um, just the morning after, I just I just <laughs> want to say a quick thank you, a quick thank you at uh, Houston um, Houston Travel Lodge, and they might know if they ever listen to this, they might know who they are. But there was two lasses, and I, I was feeling rough on Saturday morning. Went for breakfast, and they'd obviously they'd paid like a tenner for their old breakfast buffet and all that sort of stuff. They piled their plates up, and they sat down, and they looked ill. They just took one look at it and just went. They just pushed it to one side and ran back to their room. And after that, I thought, actually, I didn't feel too bad. I'm all right now. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. So Saturday, 
we done the same. Headed for breakfast. I couldn't stomach it. Uh, I made me celeb- We had breakfast included. And I just lo- I took one look at me sandwich. I had like a mouthful. And I was like, I can't eat that. No way. Um, I felt horrendous. But then by the time we got to- we got through to Box Park, because I was there, as- most of us, to be fair, from Rotorapport were there. As soon as I had my first pint, I felt brand new again. That was brilliant. And like you say, Craig, the atmosphere was unreal in there. Like I would, I would recommend if we ever get back there, people just buy tickets for that because it was excellent. I mean, it's, imagine, imagine the stack but on roids, massive, <laughs> and it was just full. It was rammed full of Sunderland fans, and it was easy to get served. Aye. So you and it was pretty cheap for London. It was like a five or a pint. I think we were getting we were getting um, four pint pitchers, and they were eighteen quid. And to be fair, there was probably five pints in them. They were overfilling them. So that, that's not bad, really, as a five, five pints, 18 quid for London. Uh, plenty of places to eat and stuff. But, yeah, most importantly, the atmosphere was class. I mean, you just touched on it there. They've got um, uh, Lee Howie, Gordon Armstrong, Martin Smith and... Darren Williams. Darren Williams up on stage, yeah. They just sort of asked them a couple of questions about the game and what have you. And to be fair, they just used it as a chance to start songs off. And it was mint. Oh, they were in there. Lee Howie's first words were Lee Howie, Lee Howie, <laughs> Lee Howie. And the place erupted. It was brilliant. And then the, the, the DJ asked each of them, who's the one player you would love to, if you could, who's the one player you would love to smash one more time? And at the very end of the role was Darren Williams. And it got to him and he said, oh, Alan Shearer. <laughs> I kind of stand them, and then the place just went. Oh, just went absolutely <laughs> mad! Like it was great. Like I, I, that that was the perfect way to get up for the match. Like everyone who was in there will have been as hungover as I was. As soon as you got back on the beer and you were in amongst the atmosphere, that was it. And then by the time I got to the ground, I mean I'd seen you two, and I said the same to everyone I spoke to. I said we're going to batter them. I said I was so confident. It might have been the drink talking, but I was I was really confident. I just. There wasn't a shred of doubt in my mind we were gonna we weren't gonna win that game. But normally, normally when I'm going up Wembley Way, that's that's where the nerves kind of set in a bit, and it was a little bit when I, before going into Box Park. But when I came out, I remember saying to you like, "Oh, see, I feel a bit nervous." And I'll still I'll I'll, I'll remember this for a while. You're like, "No, nah, we're, we're going to beat them three and this, that, and the other." And I think it wasn't until I got round like the corner and I got on the ground then, and then you're seeing like a sea of red and white. And I mean, to be fair, look, they brought a lot of fans for Wickham. But it was when you just seen just the sheer number of how many Sunderland fans were in that ground. And um, I think it was at that point for me, I was like, there's no way we're not winning this game today. Everybody just seemed just so up for us. And normally you, there is like that sort of like worry, a bit of like anxiety at Wembley, isn't there? I mean, in the past where we've, where we've scored against Charlton and everyone was still biting their fingernails and stuff like that. But everybody from the minute go was just 100% up for it. I mean, there's a video doing the rounds on the, on the socials now and they had to delay singing the national anthem basically because Sunderland fans would not stop singing. And I mean, it was, it was like that for 90 minutes. It was just relentless, just wave after wave after song. And I watched it back, I think, like twice yesterday and there's a period in the second half and all you can hear for about 15 minutes solid is Sunderland take over everywhere we go. Mm. And like I've tr- I tried to explain it like like to my wife to to friends and that who weren't there it, you just cannot put into words just the noise of the place it was never experienced anything like it it was incredible. No, I was I, I was the same as you, Craig. I um I I actually I came I'll we'll come, we'll come on to this later but I came back from the match on match day I was going to stay over I've got a mate who lives in North London and I was going to stay with him and have another night and I bottled it I was just like nah, I'm going home and um. We got the train back, and anyways, I 
I ended, I'll, I'll get onto this, but I ended up staying at our lass's mum and dad's in Doncaster. And I was just trying, they, they, they're not really into football, and I was trying to explain to them. And they were like, oh, yeah, but you just can't get it across to people you who weren't there how good it was. No. Yeah. Like, and and I, I watched the full thing back yesterday, the full four hour, um, the full four hour coverage that Sky put out. And they were there while I had it on. And even then, it just doesn't quite get it across, no. even though it was brilliant. You can't, it was just amazing to be there. You know, you know, when you think about the kind of to and fro and that Wickham did, you know, about the tickets, you know, where they were like wondering whether to give us extra tickets and that, I honestly think it made a massive difference. And I think, you know, yeah. if, if I was a Wickham now, I'd, I'd be questioning why they, they gave us so yeah. many tickets. Because it was a whole game honest, in the end. It, it, made, it made such a difference. It was, it was, it was like the Stadium of Light. And the last two times we've, bat, we've battered them at the Stadium of Light. But that's how that's how it must have felt for the for the Wigan players because all you could hear was Sunderland fans and we 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 were on pretty much all apart from behind the goal we basically had three sides of the of the whole stadium to be honest. But I was going to say after the game, Gav, I know you said you were away, but it was weird, you know, that the final whistle went. You know, you were just you know you, all you were doing was cheering and and all this, and then the the trophy, and then they were walking around. They did the bit lap of honour. And then after that, you just saw everyone was kind of looking at each other, going, "Right, well, what what do we do now? How, how do we celebrate this? You know, <laughs> we've won, we've won at Wembley. What what do we do now?" And we just did exactly the same. We just got got straight into London, straight back on it, and you know, just and then can't remember much after that. But um, <laughs> it, it was just that feeling, wasn't it? We, 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 we've never yeah. felt this before. What do we do? There's no plan. There's no... <laughs> People just don't know. I listened to the um, the BBC Newcastle podcast this morning, which is basically just the aftermatch coverage of the radio. And uh, Marco Gabbiadini said, it, this has just turned into the biggest ca- biggest karaoke session ever. <laughs> and it was. There was like Oasis playing, everything. And we all just got into it. It was just a massive party. The atmosphere was unbelievable. Like I said at the top, I've never in my life had a better experience as a fan. Again, just talking about that lad who who's, who come, he just short trip from from Essex and he came in. He was saying, you know, because again when we went out in London on the Saturday night, I mean, again the central wherever you went, whatever tube station you went in, whatever street you were on, whatever road you were on, whatever pub you were in, if you went into McDonald's, if you went into a Burger King, if you went into a kebab shop. You were surrounded by Sunderland fans chanting the same chants all over London. And he, he just said at the end of it, I mean, he had two days with us and he just said, I've never, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen one group of people take over. I mean, I'm, I know that it's kind of, I'm saying it because that's a chant, but I'm not saying it because of the chant. We genuinely did. We were just, we were all over. Even on the train, I got the train back up from London uh, yesterday and there was, there was just like a group of girls who'd gone to London for the weekend and all they were talking about, they were actually saying their, their weekend was spoiled because <laughs> they didn't get to see, they didn't get to see a lot of London just because everywhere was packed with, with some fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does, it might come across as a little bit obnoxious for us to say, ah, oh, we took over and we ruined people. But it's the point being is, is like, as a fan base, we've been through the worst times ever. Club nearly went, went bust. Let's be honest. If it hadn't been, for a, a number of things coming together, we could have went bust. We could have been the next, you know, disaster story. We dropped two leagues in two seasons. We've sat here for four years, and being to Wembley on 
two occasions as fans and seeing us lose, haven't had a really good sort of build up like we did, you know, this weekend gone. Um but had it ruined by the, the actual football and last year finally win that Wembley, but none of us were allowed to be there. So f- with that in mind, like who gives a shit? We we deserved to enjoy ourselves and nobody's gonna take that away from me. Like the amount of sort of to be honest, I don't really want to talk about them that much, but like Mags who I know and Mags I've seen on Twitter and so oh look at Sun and Fur, you tiny the playoffs and yeah. that. You just, literally you don't get it. You don't get it at all. Nobody gets it unless you've been in our shoes for the last four years. Yeah. And that's why we all enjoyed ourselves. That's why we all went away and spent a ridiculous amount of money at short notice. Like fifty odd thousand of us turning up in the capital just to have a big party because it's been shit. It's been shit playing in League One. It's been shit having to play teams like Wickham every week. It's been shit spending two years trying to follow your club behind COVID rules and stuff, not be able to go to the games, missing out on that Wembley win last year. It's been shit. So I'm not going to apologise for enjoying myself. No, Simple as that. I think it's worth noting as well, in our time in, in League One, there's been this weird kind of like snobbery slash reverse snobbery about us in terms of like, well, have you seen the way Sunderland have celebrated the goal there? Like, they used to be in the Premier League then. Have you seen how many Sunderland fans have took to Morgan or, or this, that and the other? And, like, oh, there's such this self-entitlement, bloody blah, blah, blah. It's like, there's there's not. And there's there's never been that arrogance there, contrary to this popular belief. And, look, despite watching the Sky commentary back, and they were like, oh, these, these deserve to be in the Premier League and stuff like that. As a fan base, we haven't actually said that. Like, those words have never come out of our mouths. We, we went into this league... We didn't want to be here, but like we embraced it. Admittedly, we thought we were going to be there for one season and out. That was the way it was always supposed to be. But when you've spent somewhere for almost half a decade, like, and everyone going, are you League One? And we went, well, yeah, look, we are League One. And like, we're finally getting out. And the last time we dropped into the championship, obviously, it was just, it was minging the mood around the club. Ellis Short had switched the taps off, but now we're going in in the championship and uh and like just the the right sort of sense of direction now, and like it, although look, there's there's a lot about ownership and percentages and all that sort of shit, and I'm I'm never going to dismiss that. I know rightfully people have got the concerns, but that that's for another day. But like everybody put that to bed, and like we all turned up at Wembley with just one thing in mind. It was just pure unity, and and everybody was so together about it. So like I, you know, people can like laugh at us and they can take the piss or whatever, and like. The way I look at it, it's like you said, Gav, we, we literally lost we, we lost 18 months of our lives behind closed doors. And um, my mate who, who I was with, he nearly died last year. Like, he was literally days from death's door. And lo and behold, when, when Ross Stewart scored the second, like, literally both burst into tears. Like, because it was like, it, it's our time now. I literally, I sobbed and sobbed. And I know I'm not the only one because I was looking around, there was families, there was kids, men, women and children, all in tears. And um, it's because it just literally it just it means so much just to just to escape it all, and just to finally feel on the right footing, and to finally get us in the right direction. And like I say, look, it's it's going to be a difficult season, and it's going to be you know obviously up in the air what happens now, who who stays, who goes, what happens with Alex Neal and the ownership and stuff like that. But you know, for at least the next couple of days, we're going to milk this for everything it's worth because you're talking about the best experiences we've had. I mean, I would always say Phil Bardsley at Old Trafford was one of the best moments I've had following Sutherland, but full-time at Wembley the other day, 
uh, just like you, I've seen us promoted so many different ways in the past, but to do it at the best stadium in the world, Elvis on the uh, on the PA afterwards, everybody's flags and scarfs in the air. You, you, honest to God, you just cannot put you cannot put a price on that. It's just the greatest experience in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know what the way the way you used to have just summed it up there. I mean, you have both just just talked about it there, and I, and I felt this as well after the final whistle. It felt like for for Sunderland fans all over, whether you're in the stadium or not, it just felt like a release, a yeah. massive big release of just relief and just you know that finally because I mean we talk about four years in League One, and everyone goes, oh, you know, it's been it's been four tough years for me. If I look back, you've got the the year in the Championship. And then you've got year, years of struggle in the Premier League before that, yeah. where we were surviving on the last day, where it was, for the most part, it was pretty miserable. Like even in the Premier League, it was it was pretty dark because every year we would we were looking like we were going to go down. So it was it was a you know full of misery. So you're talking maybe eight, nine, ten years of just struggle, and you know that we've never really mm. had this. You know we're actually successful and. I mean, to go to Wembley and do it and the, all the tension that comes with that, all the, the kind of stress that it gives Sunderland fans going to Wembley and the fact that we think we're going to get beat and all this sort of stuff. And we went to Wembley and we did it. And you saw that when, when, like you said, when Elvis came on after the final whistle and everybody started singing, it was just a release that everyone... You looked around. I mean, I saw Rich in the next block, uh, Rich and Rock Report. He was in the next block. We're just looking at each other, pointing at each other, and we're just giving, you know, the fist pumps and that and staring at each other and kind of giving it that just because you just, we've, we've, you've, it looks like we've turned a corner and we're all, for once, for once we're on the up. And it's been so long since it's felt like that. I just think all Sunderland fans just went, right, don't care, just going for it. I'm enjoying it. Don't <laughs> care, don't care. I'm not worrying about what comes next, not worrying about all the issues that might come with it. Just enjoying the time, and that's it. And then we'll crack on later. <laughs> we'll we'll think about that in a few weeks' time. Yeah, well, Craig, you said you were going to milk it for a few days. I think maybe a bit longer for me, and maybe at least a few weeks. <laughs> um, we're going to hopefully be back, possibly tomorrow or the next day, to actually talk about the match. We haven't talked about it at all, and that wasn't our intention today. It was just to sort of summarise our weekend away, because you can sort of put the two aside, can't you? You've got the match itself, and... You've just got the whole experience of the weekend and we wouldn't be doing either justice if we try to fit it all into one podcast. So uh, we've got plenty coming up still over the summer. We're not going anywhere. Um, also for our sanity, if we didn't do this, then I, God knows what I'd do. And also up on the website, on roteReport.com, there'll be plenty of stuff. So for now, we'll catch you later. Cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.